Hey, hey, UK Lured listeners, would you like a free audiobook? Follow us on Twitter at the KMQ, then tag us in a tweet and tell us which KMQ episode is your favorite, and we'll send you a copy of our latest audiobook, The Sexy Librarian's Dirty 30, Volume 3. You'd better hurry. Eroticism is important. It influences and energizes our entire human experience. Eroticism isn't sex. It's sexuality transformed by our imaginations. We encourage lurid listeners to cultivate eroticism, to play with it, smack it, and rub it down. We want you to enjoy yourselves, your partners, and your sexuality. You are entitled to your sexual self. This show is for adults only and contains erotic stories that sometimes feature provocative characters and intense themes and situations. Spanning many literary genres, including action, adventure, science fiction, romance, horror, fantasy, and paranormal. Please listen responsibly. Hey, Lurid listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. This is your host, Rose Carraway, and joining me in studio, standing again today, he ditched his chair. He's in the mood to stand I'm, stoically. I am, I'm feeling tough. <laughs> We're standing up for eroticism. Exactly. <laughs> Say hey, Big Daddy. Uh, hi. Aura, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> well, what's going on before we get to our story? What's going on with you? How you doing? What's up? Oh, How you man, feeling? I feel like spring has sprung. It's so warm today. I mean, today is like the day. I'm going to check. It's kind yeah. of amazing. Yeah. It's 79 and sunny wow. today. It yeah. is so good. No, 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 I'm sorry. It's 81. So all you folks who are not living in uh, non-81 degree weather, we're sorry. We're so sorry. Hang in there. It's going to get better. Our show will keep you warm. That's right. Never fear. That's it's right. okay. Spring is on the way. Hopefully you have a snuggle buddy too. <laughs> it just starts in California first. It does. God damn it. It's beautiful here right now. Yeah. Today's pretty great. <laughs> it's been raining like crazy. So. And your bees are kicking ass. <gasps> I'm so happy. I totally don't even know my own name right now. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Yes. Got the bees through the winter. One hive, they've replaced their queen. Another hive is booming with bodies. It's full. I've got three hive bodies on there, and the honey super is already practically 50% wow. full. I think we're going to get two honey harvests yeah. this year. Mm, that sounds sweet. So Can I guess I've got it all to... over you. Man, mm-hmm. I'm ready to make some Australian campfire bread and drizzle that shit all over it. That's not what I was saying. I know. I but want to drizzle it all like over you. Money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. That's fine. <laughs> Today, On the KMQ, we are featuring another story taken from our Sexy Librarian's Dirty 30 Volume 3 audiobook. It is written by Janine Ashbless, Mm -hmm. who, by the way, if you guys have followed our show for any length of time at all, you know that I love her dearly and have read many of her books, and she has written for us several times. Her story title is Sourdough, and speaking of making bread, Mm, It is in the air, then. This story is friggin' hot. Um, And before we get to it, I do want to sort of draw lurid listeners' attention back to what makes these audiobooks, the Dirty 30 series, what makes them so fun is that we did treat them like they were um, an erotic library, and we made for each story a card catalog. So Mm -hmm. we will feature that uh, right before the story begins. 
Yeah. To give you a little taste of yeah. what to expect. It's fun. Yeah. And you know, there's there's no card catalogs anymore and I miss them. <laughs> and so this is my way, my little throwback. It's good. I love it. it makes me yeah. Feel it's a, I agree. I have no opinion other than that. I agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before our story begins, let me tell you about our latest audiobook. The Sexy Librarian's Dirty 30, Volume 3. Come inside. Experience the breath, inspiration, and excitement of superb erotic storytelling. Browse my card catalog. Find the perfect story to suit your mood, with subjects tantalizingly indexed to whet your appetite. Lose yourself in these 30 risque adventures, loaded with fabulous characters in provocative situations. Aphoristic and lively, these tales are perfect for a midday quickie or an evening kiss before bed. Do you have 20 minutes for a brazenly sexy jewelry heist? Or maybe take that once-in-a-lifetime cruise vacation and discover that mermaids really do exist. You can savor the heat rising in your cheeks as you confess your deepest desires to the town priest. Then finish off your evening with a run in Central Park, only to stumble upon a house made of gingerbread? The Sexy Librarian's Dirty 30, Volume 3, edited by Rose Carraway. Now available at Audible, Amazon, and iTunes. Sourdough. Author, Janine Ashbless. Narrator, Rose Carraway. Category, Frontier and Pioneer Life. Subjects, 1. Flowered Table. 2. Brothers. 3. Quiver of Cleavage. Bread-making demanded an early rise. Ezra had built Grace an oven at the side of the kitchen hearth, but it needed a good burn going to heat the stones. While she waited for the blaze to reduce to hot embers, she took the sourdough that had been proofing under muslin since the day before and divided and shaped it into loaves for baking. Then she started on the next batch for tomorrow. Their nearest neighbors, the Van Burens from eight miles over in the next valley, planning to come visit, so they'd need the extra bread. The cabin was snugly built, and the morning was already threatening to be warm. Their corn patch was starting to ripen, and before noon, the cattle would drift down toward the shade of the cottonwood trees near the creek. She took off her blouse, not wanting the sleeves to get sweaty or dough-stained, and set to work, bare-armed, in her corset and camisole, stirring flour and sourdough starter in the big crockery bowl Ezra had bought as her wedding present. Bread-making was one of the daily tasks she liked best, much better than cleaning out the pigsty or airing the heavy layers of family bedding or, worst of the lot, pounding the laundry. But it was all better than her last job back in Chicago, where she'd sewed leather coats day and night, 
until her hands bled. Maybe she'd lied just a little when she'd wrote Ezra and told him she had a farming background. Back home when she was a little girl in England, yes, sure, as they said around here. But they'd moved into Lancaster, and she'd worked factory jobs from a young age in a cotton mill until she immigrated to America. She couldn't really remember her milk fever from her glanders, but it didn't matter, not now. She was his wife, and most of her work was around the house, not out in the pastures. She could shelter from the worst of the summer heat and the worst of the winter snows that this harsh land threw at them, and she wasn't on her own in filthy, muddy, violent Chicago. And she had family again. A small one, sure. Just Ezra and his younger brother, Amos. But with luck, there'd be children in the years to come. They were certainly working hard enough at that. As if summoned by the thought, the cabin door opened and Amos edged in, hanging his rifle on the wall. The pre-dawn light washed in with him, muting the cozy little glow of the fire Grace had been working by. Amos moved quietly, always cautious inside the house, as if worried he'd break something. When he caught sight of her at the kitchen table, he nodded and took his hat off, respectful-like. His uncombed hair fell in a dark curtain across his eyes, and he pushed it aside. Grace blushed, conscious that she was underdressed for company, even family. She hadn't thought Amos would be about this early. You been out all night? She asked, her voice unexpectedly husky. He turned his hat between his hands, just as awkward as her. Sitting up for that coyote, he muttered. Didn't see him. She smiled encouragingly. Amos often seemed ill at ease in her presence. He'd wooed a bride by post via the same newspaper and at the same time as his brother had. Grace had even met the woman on the train west to the Montana Territory, but Christabel had taken ill on the journey and left the train at Minneapolis. No one had heard from her since. So the elder brother had caught all the luck, and the younger brother was left waiting for his to change. Grace felt obscurely guilty, though it was not her fault. It must make things even harder for Amos to bear, having her around to remind him of his loss. Coffee's brewing, she told him, trying to brush a smut of flour off her cheek. Sit down. He filled a tin mug at the stove and sat at a kitchen chair, settling his hat in his lap and stretching his long legs out in front of him. He wasn't as broad-built as his brother, but he was handsome in his way, with hazel eyes that looked green or brown depending on the weather. His gaze never quite met her own, but slipped about the room from dresser to hearth and to the toes of his worn boots. He said nothing. Amos was always quiet. His brother made sure he knew his place. Maybe I married the wrong one, Grace thought, smiling to herself. But no, Ezra was the landholder and had been, in every way, the better prospect. She'd preferred the look of his handwriting, too, firm and bold. And he'd worked hard, making things nicer for her around the homestead since she'd arrived. He even washed his privates and scrubbed his teeth every day just to please her. Grace busied herself with kneading the dough, rolling it out onto the floured tabletop and plunging her hands into the soft white mass. The muscles danced in her forearms as she bore down upon it, stretching and folding and squeezing, and the familiar work made her breath come harder. The rhythm was mesmeric almost, and it was a while before she looked up at Amos again. He was watching her. Not her face, she realized. He hadn't even noticed her surreptitious glance toward him. He was staring at her cleavage, as if entranced. 
his mug halfway to his lips. Such a famished look in those eyes. Heat rose to Grace's face as she realized her culpability. Her white camisole was low-cut, the top button not even done up, and her breasts bulged softly out over the top of her corset as she leaned forward, just like rising loaves. He's lusting after me. The wave of heat washed down from her cheeks, through her breastbone and into her belly and down between her thighs, gathering weight and force as it went, until she thought it would wash her out down the creek and into the Missouri, and out to sea a thousand miles away, all the way back to her giddy girl days in England. The shock took the breath from her. Without thinking, she couldn't think, not with the blood roaring in her ears like that. She flipped the dough forward a few inches on the tabletop, so she'd have to lean even deeper into the kneading. The bulge of her breasts must be more precarious now, and she felt the quiver of her cleavage with every move she made. When she looked up at Amos this time, she made the motion obvious, though she never paused in her labors. Their eyes met, burning, and his face went stiff like a mask. They both knew. It felt inevitable. Push went her hands in the dough. She sucked her dry lips briefly to moisten them. As if pulled by gravity, his gaze fell back to the cleft of her breasts, struggled to her face, and then fell again. She looked at the felt hat in his lap and imagined what it must be covering. She'd seen his erection tenting his canvas pants before at odd moments, once when she'd been hanging out laundry and he'd been chopping wood nearby, once when she'd poured the hot water into his tin bath while he waited to undress and wash. She'd always pretended not to notice. Now, she wondered dizzily what his cock would feel like against her palm, her thighs, her lips. Push, fold, turn, the heavy beat of life. The damp well of her sex was threatening to spill down her thighs. Softly, almost shyly, he slid his hand beneath the hat to grasp himself. There was a plea in his eyes now. She smiled. Hot she thought, hard, full of marrow and frustration. She'd like to see that. The muscles of his forearm bunched as his hidden fingers gripped tighter. That was the moment Ezra came thumping down the stairs from the bedroom above. Amos managed to whip his hand out from beneath the hat before his elder brother opened the stair door, but the rest of him stayed frozen. He couldn't move from his chair, Grace knew. She straightened up sharply, pulling the great ball of dough toward her. She felt as if her whole being was about to fly apart like a keg of gunpowder. Morning, said Ezra, swaggering into the room behind her and surveying them both. Good morning, husband, said Grace over her shoulder. Her voice would not rise above a whisper. Amos nodded quick and, she thought, guilty looking. Ezra certainly noticed something in the air. He came up behind Grace as she worked assiduously at the dough and rested his big hands on her hips. There's a fine sight for a morning, he said, snuggling his crotch into her ass. You enjoying it, brother? Just sitting there taking in the view? I've just got in, Amos muttered. Been out in the long pasture. He dropped his coffee mug on the table. There's nothing like the sight of a wife hard at work in the morning, said Ezra, ignoring his brother's words. Her price is beyond rubies, as the good book says. She looketh well at the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Isn't that so? 
His hands were working in her long skirts, squeezing her ass through the layers of cloth, gathering them up. Bet you wish you had one, brother. Amos glowered. He was used to being taunted, Grace knew, though it was rarely this blunt. But he couldn't move right now. If he lifted the hat and stood, his guilt would be obvious. Ezra, she protested, as he found his way under her dress and to the thin cotton of her long drawers. Her face was growing even pinker. Hush now, he said, putting a hand between her shoulder blades and tipping her forward over the edge of the table. You've got woman's work to be getting on with. For a moment, she thought he meant the bread, until she felt him toss her bundled skirts up around her hips and reached between her thighs to the split of her bloomers. Ezra always woke with a beam he might build a bridge on, but he'd never been this bold before, not in front of his brother. Amos squirmed. Damn, this feels fine, her husband said, his fingers sliding rudely into her while his other hand worked open the buttons of his fly. Best feeling in the world, Amos. Bet you wish you had one for yourself. Grace grabbed the edges of the table for support and felt how terribly wet and slick she was. Simultaneously, she reeled in gratitude for the push of his thick fingers and hoped he wouldn't notice. She felt dizzy with shame. Not that Amos could actually see anything from where he was sat, of course. He was looking down the barrel of her cleavage and couldn't see anything of her ass beyond the rumpled skirts. But there was no hiding when Ezra nudged his thick cock into her because she couldn't help gasping out loud at the girth of it. It felt good. So good. She was wet and aching, and he filled her like she needed. Even the shame felt good. Oh, she said. Oh, damn yes, said her husband happily, shifting his grip to her hips, getting a good thrust on. He paused, nuts deep, to inquire of his brother. Do you think yours really took ill and died, or did she just run off with the money? Go to hell, Amos groaned fixed in his seat, staring, watching his brother start to thrust deep and slow, watching her flushed face and her open, O-shaped mouth and her jiggling breasts, glossed with gathering sweat. Grace, panting, braced her arms against the table and tried to save her cleavage from being squashed down into the big ball of dough. She saw Amos's face, twisted with pain and desire, and it was like she could read his thoughts. He desperately wanted to stick his achingly hard cock into her mouth, between her slick tits and up her wet sex where her husband was rooting. His balls must have been blue with need, but he couldn't so much as touch himself for relief. He just had to watch, raging, while his brother got it on and rubbed his face in his lack. Poor, good-looking younger brother, always at Ezra's beck and call lusting after his wife, wanting to do a million sinful things to her. I wish you could. Arching her back, she let her nipples burst from behind the confines of her corset, her breasts tumbling into the damp sling of her thin camisole. Grace felt the royal of her arousal gather toward a tight, hot point, and she locked eyes with Amos. She swallowed her scream, not daring to let Ezra know how turned on she was but it showed in her expression as she started to come. She didn't try to hide that, and when her husband spurted triumphantly inside her, she pushed back onto his big cock eagerly, swallowing it all up, keeping her gaze on Amos, 
on that handsome face so racked with frustration, and she let him see it all. I'm coming, I'm coming, it's you making me come. And it felt wonderful. She didn't see Amos leave, because when Ezra finally released her, she slid, shaking down onto the table, into the flour and the dough, and covered her burning face with her hands. She just heard the younger man stomp out and slam the door. Ezra laughed contentedly and rearranged her skirts. Now that's better than damn rubies, he said. He went to the coffee pot and poured himself a mug. I'll be getting on with that roof then, he remarked, as if nothing had happened. When he'd left the cabin, Grace peeled her perspiring cleavage off the dough and walked unsteadily to the door. Ezra's seed seeped down from her sex. She felt like dough herself, pliable, well-pummeled, puffed up with her orgasm. Into the fire now, she thought. She saw Ezra behind the barn. He was working on the new house he was building for her, a home bigger and more comfortable than his old bachelor's cabin. He seemed to have shrugged off what had just taken place entirely. He was sorting out wooden shingles for the half-finished roof. But Amos wasn't anywhere in sight. Slipping out into the yard, she scanned the outbuildings. The stable door stood open. Ignoring the chickens who were clustering about to demand their breakfast, she hurried across and slipped into the darkened doorway. It took a moment for her eyes to adjust. But then she saw Amos saddling up his pinto gilding. Where are you going? she asked. Helena, I reckon, he said, not turning. I hear they're hiring there. Amos, don't go, she said, laying a hand on his arm. We can't manage this homestead without you. And I can't stay. His bicep was warm and hard, and she wanted to feel his bare skin. We'll starve. She thought of summer hailstorms and winter blizzards and grasshoppers and floods and wolves. She and Ezra couldn't fight the whole land on their own. He thumped the saddle down onto the horse blanket. He should have thought of that before he took on treating me with contempt. He swung around to face her in the gloom. I can't bear it. You moaning and panting every night on the other side of that wall. Your sweet titties and your mouth and... He broke off, his breath harsh, his hand almost on her shoulder, not quite daring to touch. She hadn't tidied her breasts away after their escape from her stiff bodice. You'll find another woman, Amos. You think we can afford another rail ticket? That's the reason Ezra's so sore at me. He laughed bitterly. Maybe I'll find a nice girl in Helena. Don't leave us, she said, sliding down to her knees in the straw, nuzzling her face up against his pants, finding the half-hard cock he was trying to master. He groaned and grabbed at a stable partition for support as the buttons of his fly parted under her quick fingers, freeing his burgeoning erection. Yes, yes. He tasted of leather and male lust, a sourdough tang that made her heart pound. But there was very little kneading necessary in this case. He was rock hard in moments, then clutching her hair and working her throat and gasping in a few more. She had to wrap her hand around his shaft to stop him from choking her with the eagerness of his thrusts and his flood. Jesus, he whispered, catching his breath. She looked up at him, licking the last of the yeasty spill from her lips. Don't leave me, she demanded. He pulled her to her feet and pushed her back against a wooden wall into a shaft of light. 
His fingers danced down from her face to the heave of her breasts, as if unable to believe what his eyes were seeing. Then he leaned in and kissed her. Grace whimpered, unable to catch herself. Ezra's gonna kill me, he warned as he took his lips away. You're his brother. He won't. Maybe he'll kill us both. Only if he finds out, and I'm not telling. What have I got myself into? She asked herself. Oh, Lord, what have I done? We hope you guys enjoyed the show. That was Sourdough, written by the incredible Janine Ashbless. You guys need to go check her out. Her website is janineashbless.com. She is not on Twitter, but she is on Facebook, so you can go there too. If you are not following us on Twitter already, please do so right now. We're giving audiobooks away all the time. I'm going to start tweeting them someday. I don't know when. It's like something I'm trying to get to. Well, we're doing it. Yeah. If you want more sexy stories and would like to support this sexy indie show that we are, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Remember to leave us a sexy review so that more lured listeners just like you can find us. Audio production by Big Daddy, Dave Carraway. The KMQ would like to thank the following musical artists. Nylor, Josh Woodward, and the KMQ introduction music by Vivich. The Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by The Sexy Librarian's Dirty 30, Volume 3. I was a hermit, but inside I was yearning just to take off the mask and see the light. And it was you who made me see. You gave me hope and set me free. And yeah, I know I've been a I'm good to go Hey, I'm good to go Through this pandemic, because I've, you know, the hip thing that I kind of got going on. You're welcome. The stiff hips. <laughs> I, I think I've.
gained a couple pounds, and so these yeah, leggings that I'm wearing are accentuating my camel toe. Uh, <laughs> I love everything so about you know. what's going on there. Like, I'm just letting you know. I love all that. Like, I looked out, I'm going, I'm not wearing panties yeah. today. I you, just got the leggings on. You go ahead and I gain tell. a couple pounds over there. I'm good. I am. Mm-hmm. It makes the boobs bigger, but in the end, it's 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 more challenging for me to move around. I'm noticing. I'm sorry, <laughs> like, but you look fine. <laughs> I gotta, I'm going to thin out a little bit more. Yeah, you, I know. <laughs> it's time for me to hit the trails. I wanna, That's all. I want to motorboat that thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're not supposed to blow air in there, just so we know. <laughs> Can you motorboat without blowing? Is that possible? That's more like the... Because <laughs> no air is supposed to get in there. That's more like Chianti and Fava beans. <laughs> <laughs> Can you... <laughs> <laughs> That's a reverse motorboat. (laughs) Can I imagine that you are Hannibal Lecter? That sounds like a bad idea. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of weird. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I go with that. That means you're going to be at. I'm going to at. That's the idea. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Not actually consumed, but I mean, all right, we're done. (laughs) Yeah.